Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Failing to adequately prepare for the real trip we're all taking, for that trip to the place called heaven, not preparing adequately can have devastating and unending consequences. We've got to be prepared for the trip. How can I prepare for my journey to heaven? Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. One day, every follower of Christ will close their eyes for the last time here on earth and open them again in the presence of God. So when that day comes, will you be ready for that journey to heaven? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains what we should be doing right now to prepare for eternity. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Let me begin with a personal question. When was the last time you set aside time to cultivate and deepen your relationship with God? Have you ever taken a vacation with that sole purpose in mind? Well, I'm suggesting that you join me for the upcoming Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour to Israel. I guarantee that you'll return home spiritually refreshed. The dates are April 25th through May 5th. And along our tour, you'll have ample time to pause and reflect on the historic biblical sites you'll see, such as the Mount of Beatitudes overlooking the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus preached his Sermon on the Mount. We'll enjoy a marvelous time of reflection at the empty tomb where Jesus conquered death forever. We'll even sail on the Sea of Galilee and imagine what it was like when Jesus walked on the water. There's so many sights to see, and the good news is there's an early bird discount registration price that's available until September 30th. So don't let that deadline pass without taking advantage of it. You can find out all the information by going to ptv.org. Well, all this month, we've been talking about a place called heaven. In this series, I've attempted to reinforce that heaven isn't a state of mind. In fact, it's far better than most have even imagined. To bring the joy of heaven into your daily thoughts, I've written a new book for you. And for this very reason, when you begin to let the reality of heaven sink into your heart and mind, it will transform the way you deal with daily struggles. Ask for your copy of my book, Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven, when you give a generous gift to support the expanding ministry of Pathway to Victory. I'll say more after my message, but right now, let's turn our complete attention to the study of God's Word. Today, we'll answer the interesting question, how can I prepare for my journey to heaven? We're going to look at six practical steps every one of us should take as we prepare for our journey to that place called heaven. The first step is the most foundational, and that is make sure you have a valid passport. You know, to travel to most countries, you have to have a passport. No passport, no entry into that country. What is the spiritual passport we need to get into heaven? It's not a heart that is stamped Church of Christ. If your heart is stamped Church of Christ, you're not getting into heaven. If your heart is stamped Baptist, 
you're not going to be welcomed into heaven. It's only a heart that is stamped forgiven that is welcomed into heaven. That's all that matters. Being forgiven of our sins. No other stamp makes a difference in the presence of God. The Bible has a word for forgiven. It's the New Testament word justified. Justified is a legal term that refers to what God does for us when we trust in Christ as Savior. He justifies us. He declares us not guilty based on what Christ did for us on the cross. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way God will allow you and me into heaven is by being forgiven of our sins. And contrary to many opinions, there are not many ways to heaven. There is only one way to heaven, and that is through faith in Christ. How can you make sure that when you stand at the entrance of heaven, God is going to look at your heart? And welcome you into his presence. First John was written in order that people might know for sure their eternal destination. In first John 5, the apostle writes, verse 11, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know you have eternal life. Who is it that knows they have eternal life? Those who believe in the name of the Son of God. We've talked about this before. That word believe doesn't mean an intellectual assent to a certain set of facts about Jesus you can believe all the things about Jesus correctly, that he was the son of God, that he died on the cross for the sins of the world, that he rose again on the third day. You can believe all those things and go straight to hell when you die. The Bible says even the demons believe those things. No, to believe means to trust in, to cling to, to put your whole weight upon. To trust in Jesus means to come to that place in your life when you realize you cannot save yourself. That it is only through what Christ did for you and dying on the cross and receiving the punishment that God intended for each of us. Only by clinging to, trusting in, putting your whole weight upon Jesus Christ is your heart stamped forgiven and you are welcomed into the presence of God. And notice what John said. He said, I've written these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. God doesn't want us to face death uncertain about our future. He wants us to know with absolute certainty that we're going to be welcomed. You don't want any surprises on the other side of the grave. God wants you to know right now. A few years ago, Northwest Airlines, before they merged with Delta, had a promotional gimmick. They called it a mystery fair. For $59, you could buy a ticket for a weekend trip on Northwest Airlines. The catch was you didn't find out where you were going until you got to the airport. Interestingly, thousands of people bought into this mystery fair idea. I mean, after all, they reasoned 59 bucks a couple of days, no great risk in that. Most people were happy. A few weren't that happy about their destination, but overall, it was a success. Now, mystery fairs can be fun, they can be interesting, but there is one day in your life you don't want to be holding a mystery fair ticket. And that's the day of your death. To face eternity 
without knowing with absolute certainty where you are headed is a risk no sane person would take. And that's why it's important that you know now that you have the spiritual passport you need to be welcomed into heaven. If you wait to try to get your papers in order after you die, you've waited too long. That's the first step to prepare for our trip to heaven. But it's the foundational step. There are others we need to take as well. And that leads to step number two. Live with a destination mindset. Live with a destination mindset. The fact is, we don't know when our departure to that place called heaven is, do we? We don't know when it's going to be. And so that means we face an unusual responsibility of preparing for our trip to the next world while still living in this world. God calls us to be residents of two worlds, the next world and this world. Now make no mistake about it, our true citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, for we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. Our real citizenship is in that new country we're headed toward. Nevertheless, God has left us here as well. And he's given us certain real responsibilities. We have responsibilities with the family that God's entrusted to us. We have responsibilities at work. And of course, our greatest responsibility, 2 Corinthians 5.20, is to be ambassadors, to be representatives for Christ, to be God's mouthpieces, urging people to be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus. So we actually have two responsibilities, preparing for the next world while living in this world. The Bible talks about that here, there mentality. Again, the Bible emphasizes over and over again that there is our final destination. In Hebrews 11, verse 13, the writer says, we are nothing but strangers and exiles on the earth. In Colossians 3, 2, Paul says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. But here's the ironic thing. The more we focus on there, the more effective we become here. The more we focus on there, the more effective we become here. I think of the great Puritan preacher and leader, Jonathan Edwards. He understood that heaven is our true destination. He was consumed as he thought about heaven. At one point he wrote, to go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Therefore, it becomes us to spend this life only as a journey toward heaven to which we should subordinate all other concerns of life. Why should we labor for or set our hearts on anything else but that which is our proper and true happiness? And yet, if you know anything about the life of Jonathan Edwards, you know how tremendously productive he was in the 50-some-odd years God left him here on earth. All of the things he wrote and accomplished. I mean, it's mind-boggling what he accomplished here. He was focused on there, but he was effective here. When he was only 19 years of age, he sat down and wrote out 70 resolutions that would guide his life. How he would live here in light of what awaited him there. For example, here are three of his resolutions. Resolved to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world as I possibly can. And resolved that I will live so as I shall wish I had lived 
when I come to die. Or this is one of my favorites. Resolved never to do anything I should be afraid of doing if it were the last day of my life. That's what it means to live with a here-there mentality. It means to live every day as if it were your last day before God calls you home. Because one day it will be that day. How do you prepare for your journey to heaven? Number three, refuse to allow your departure to paralyze you with fear. Refuse to allow your departure to paralyze you with fear. You know, as the departure date approached for our trip to London last year, I had a number of emotions. One was anticipation of going to a foreign city and seeing what I had read about. One was excitement about spending a few quality days with my family. I felt a sense of urgency. I need to wrap up everything here before I left on my trip. But you know one emotion I never felt? Fear. There is nothing to fear about my trip to London. I mean, why should I be fearful about a place that I had invested in and prepared to go? And it's the same way about our departure to heaven. There is no reason for us as Christians to fear our journey that we're all going to make to heaven. No, and yet, if we're honest, a lot of Christians do fear that journey to heaven. Maybe you're one of those. Winston Churchill, who certainly was agnostic, if not an atheist, said at one point, any man who says he's not afraid of death is a liar. Well, that's certainly true for non-Christians, but it's even true of some Christians. One reason they fear heaven, that journey to heaven, is they don't know much about it. That's one reason I've preached these weeks on heaven, to give you just an idea of what God has planned for you. Some Christians fear their departure to heaven. But let me share with you today two reasons a Christian never needs to fear his departure to heaven. First of all, death is never premature. If you're a Christian today, you can write it down, bank on it. You will not depart this world one second before God's departure time for you. No Christian leaves this world one second before God's appointed time. All throughout the Bible, we see that truth, that God has ordained the years, months, days, moments, seconds of every person's life. For example, consider what Paul said in Acts 13, 36. He was preaching to the Jews about the Messiah and about God's faithfulness to the Jews. And he got to the story of King David. And in Acts 13, 36, Paul said, David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. When did David die? He died after he had fulfilled God's purpose for him. And that's true for you and me. Nobody dies prematurely. That was true of Jesus, by the way. God had orchestrated the day of Jesus' death. Some people don't understand that. They think, oh, wasn't the death of Jesus a tragedy? These godless men grabbed hold of him and snuffed out his life prematurely. That's not what the Bible says. In Acts 2.23, Peter at the great sermon at Pentecost said, this man Jesus was delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. God had a plan for Jesus' life. 
It's a plan that included the date of his birth in Bethlehem, and it included the day of his death on Calvary. And that same God has a plan for your life. God has an immutable, unchangeable plan for your life. He has written down the day of your birth. He's written down the day of your death. If you don't believe that, just consider Ephesians 1 verse 11. Paul said, also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Every part of your life has been planned by God. There are no accidents in your life or the life of somebody you love. Everything, all things, including the day of your death, are following the counsel of his will. And notice that word will is singular. God doesn't have multiple wills. He doesn't have multiple plans for your life. He doesn't have plan A. I hope this is what happens, God says. But if that doesn't work out, then I've got plan B and plan C. No, he has one secret plan that governs everything that happens in the universe and everything that happens in your life. Doesn't that give you confidence? To know there are no mistakes in God's plan? That your life is in his hands. And that's why no Christian needs to fear his departure from this world. As one person said, every person is immortal until his work on earth is done. We don't need to fear death. First of all, death is never premature. But there's a second reason not to fear death. And that is death is a necessary transition to heaven. It's a necessary transition from this world to the next world. It's a little narrow passageway we must go from to leave the tyranny of this world and experience the freedom God has planned for us. Why would we fear going through that gate? It's what leads us to everything God has planned for us. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Paul was explaining why death is necessary for the Christian. One reason is we need a change of clothes in order to live and exist in the new world. I was reading what some futurist said a few weeks ago. He's predicting that in not that many years, many uh, citizens of earth are going to be living on Mars. How does that strike you? Living on Mars. That's what they're predicting. That's what they say is going to happen. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but what I do know is this. If I'm going to live on Mars, the suit I'm wearing right here, right now, it's fine for Dallas, Texas. It's fine for planet Earth, but this suit isn't going to work on Mars. I might put on a new suit, a space suit, in order to exist in that other world. And the same thing is true for us spiritually. This body that we're wearing right now, that we're clothed in, it's perfectly designed for this world. Paul says it's totally unsuitable for the next world. And that's why we have to have a change of clothes if we're going to go to heaven. And that's what death is. Death is a change of clothes. The word thanatos, death, means separation. At death, our spirits are separated from our human bodies. These bodies are left behind so that we can put on a new body that is designed for the new world. Why should we dread that? We ought to look forward to it. I mean, do you know any man who would mind exchanging his old ripped up pajamas for a new Brioni suit? 
Do you know any woman who would give up exchanging her bathrobe for a Chanel dress? That's exactly the exchange we make at death. Our old is left behind. We receive those new bodies that God has prepared for us forever. And that's worth applauding. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? That is why death is necessary. What person in his right mind would fear that kind of exchange? Randy Alcorn, in his book on heaven, uses another analogy to explain why Christians don't need to fear death. It's not the analogy of clothes, it's the analogy of an unexpected party. Randy writes, suppose a friend invites you to a party where you know some people, but not many. The food is adequate, but nothing extraordinary. You enjoy meeting some new people and visiting with a few familiar people you know. Suddenly, your friend announces, it's time to leave. Although you're not quite ready to leave, you acquiesce because he's your ride home. When your friend drops you off at your house, you place your key in the lock and you turn the knob. Just as you open the door, the lights suddenly come on and everyone yells, surprise! Your family and your closest friends are there. They've brought gifts and have covered your table with your favorite delicacies. The first party was simply a ruse to get you out of the house so that the second party could be organized. Had you stayed at the first party, you would have missed the real party, the one at your home. Life on earth is like the first party. Pleasant enough, but at death you open the doors to your true home and discover that the real party is taking place there. Isn't that good? You know, I wish I could tell you as a pastor that every Christian I've talked to who faced death knew his or her death was imminent, that they faced their death with great courage and great anticipation and great joy. That wouldn't be honest. Not every Christian faces death that way. I've talked to Christians who are about to die who expressed regret. Regret over leaving the party too early leaving family and friends behind. That's an honest emotion. But you know what? Any regret they may have felt here on earth is temporary and will be more than compensated when they start experiencing the hilarity of heaven. It's that hilarity of heaven that Jesus had in mind, I think, when he said in Luke 6, 21, blessed, literally happy, are those who weep now, for you shall laugh. That's why no Christian needs to fear death as he makes his way toward that place called heaven. Imagine the glorious laughter we'll enjoy together when we reconvene in heaven as brothers and sisters in Christ. I can hardly wait to hear your stories as you describe how God faithfully brought you into your eternal home with Him. Well, our series is coming to a close, and I can truly say I don't want this one to end. This has been a wonderful month talking about a place called heaven. As I mentioned earlier, time is running out to request your copy of my new book, Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. The padded hardcover edition is yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. 
And let me reinforce the value of your partnership with Pathway to Victory by adding a real-life story. I received a note from a man who listens to this broadcast in Mississippi. He wrote, Dr. Jeffress, I've heard so many sermons on sexual immorality over the years, but yours hit me the hardest. I've struggled with a pornography addiction, and it affected my marriage. The illustration you gave in your message has helped free me. I hope God continues to bless your ministry, and this message reaches more people like me. Men and women are finding freedom in Christ through Pathway to Victory. So thank you for becoming a financial partner with us. God is using your gifts to pierce the darkness with the light of His Word. David. Thanks, Dr. Jeffers. You can request your copy of the brand new book, Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Call us toll-free, 866-999-2965, or visit online at ptv.org. And when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also send you all 12 messages from the teaching series, A Place Called Heaven, both on CD and DVD. Plus, you'll also get a copy of the original best-selling book by Dr. Jeffress, A Place Called Heaven. To request this special package of resources, call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. If you'd prefer to write, our mailing address is P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, inviting you to join us again next time when Dr. Jeffress begins Part 2 of this message, How Can I Prepare for My Journey to Heaven? That's Friday, here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.